We begin a new series of sermons for the next six Sunday mornings, Living a Godly Life in an Ungodly World. And this morning, our scripture comes from Second Chronicles in chapter 14. And if you're physically able this morning, I would invite you to stand with me in honor and reverence of the reading of God's holy word this morning. Second Chronicles 14, and beginning in verse 1. Abijah slept with his fathers, and they buried him in the city of David. And Asa, his son, reigned in his place. In his days the land had rest for ten years. And Asa did what was good and right in the eyes of the Lord his God. He took away the foreign altars in the high places, and broke down the pillars and cut down the Asherim and commanded Judah to seek the Lord, the God of their fathers, and to keep the law and the commandment. He also took out of all the cities of Judah the high places and the incense altars, and the kingdom had rest under him. He built fortified cities in Judah, for the land had rest. He had no war in those years, for the Lord gave him peace. And he said to Judah, Let us build these cities and surround them with walls and towers, gates, and bars. The land is still ours, because we have sought the Lord our God. We have sought Him, and He has given us peace on every side. So they built and prospered. And Asa had an army of three hundred thousand from Judah, armed with large shields and spears, and two hundred and eighty thousand men from Benjamin, that carried shields and drew bows. All these were mighty men of valor. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word today. You may be seated. Some say that uh, cleanliness is next to what? Godliness. Well, King Asa cleaned house. That's what happened in the scripture that we just read. And he cleaned house to lead God's people in God's land toward godliness. It says in the verses that we read that he removed all these uh, cultic altars where worship of false gods and idols were taking place. Now imagine this. This wasn't just anywhere in the world, but these cultic idols were placed in God's land, in God's holy nation, in Judah. And so God used Asa to remove these distractions, these false idols, and these false fertility God poles that were being worshipped and incense was being burned at. See, God used Asa to bring about really a reformation. And through a reformation, he brought revival. Through revival, he brought rest, as we see that God blessed the land with rest under his reign for ten years. But God also blessed them with reinforcement as they grew stronger, as they focused upon the Lord. And so may God use our lives to do the same and aid us in the pursuit of godliness. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we stand in awe when we see how you have used people of old, Lord, to do your will. Those who relied upon you and used your strength, Lord, to do mighty things to draw your people back to you. 
Lord, do it again and through us. And give us a desire, Lord, a dependence, a determination, a disposition, Lord, to follow You, to serve You, to be bold, to be brave, to remove the things that distract us, that steal our attention from Your glory and goodness and the worship of You. Lord, may Your Holy Spirit be free to work in this room today as Your Word goes forth. And Lord, sanctify us by Your truth. Your Word is truth. In Jesus' name, Amen. Again, the series, the title of these series is Living a Godly Life in an Ungodly World. And many of you are going through the same study in your Bible study classes or your Sunday school classes. But before we spend weeks teaching how to live a godly life in an ungodly world, I think we must first ask a couple of questions. As I thought over the last couple of weeks in thinking and praying and trying to allow the Spirit to lead me in preparing for this message. And the first is, what is godliness? And you see, you might think that, well, that's a pretty easy question, but listen, I'm not that old and I'm not the brightest, but I've lived long enough to know that you talk to ten different people and they might give you ten different ideas on what it means to live a godly life. Some might be the same, but there would be some difference. In its simplicity, godliness simply means this, displaying a godlike character. It's that simple. Displaying a godlike character in our lives. Well, the next question I thought to myself then is, if that's what godliness is, is displaying a godlike character to a world that is watching in an ungodly world, Why would or why should someone desire to live a godly life? Well, again, there's several reasons that we could write down, but I thought to get to the root of of the question, I think it is this. Why should someone or why would someone desire to display a godlike character in an ungodly world as they live? And I think above all because they have experienced an encounter with the one true God, and they desire to live for Him, to glorify Him, and to show forth His glory to a watching world. As people that have experienced God, we should desire to show the goodness of our God in our daily walk of life. And this is done through godliness, through displaying a godly character, a godlike character. Godliness is not a Sunday suit, amen? And and even more so, godliness is not a holiday costume. It's not something we put on on Sundays or Easter or Christmas, but these are new clothes given to us by Jesus Christ to be worn daily for the world to see how Jesus Christ has touched our lives and impacted our lives. And so to pursue godliness in our lives, I've written down some notes today, each beginning with the letter D. And first, I think, if we're going to pursue godliness and have a godlike character, displaying that to the world around us, first there must be a dependence upon God because you know God. King Asa knew God. He had had a personal experience with God. 
Now, to unpack that dependence, I mainly mean you are in a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. That there has come a time when you realize that you were a sinner in need of salvation. And that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. God's only Son sent to this world because God so loved the world. And He went to the cross and died for our sins. There paying the price and the penalty that we deserve. That we might be freed. And we realize, we agree with God that we are sinners. That we are lost. That we are in need of salvation. And that He is the only Savior. He is the only true God that has sent the only true Messiah, Jesus Christ, into the world by which man could be saved. And we enter into a relationship by praying, Jesus Christ, I am a sinner, I am undone, I am lost. You are the Savior. Come into my life, be my Savior, and also be my Lord. This is entering into a personal relationship, having an experience with the one true God through the one true Savior, Jesus Christ, impacted by the one true Holy Spirit. And we depend upon God in our relationship. Each day we realize as Christians that we are not strong enough. We're not wise enough. We're not good enough uh, to, to be godly upon our own. But we need God's strength to do so. And so first of all, if we're going to pursue godliness in an ungodly world and live a godly life in an ungodly world, it first begins with that personal relationship, a dependence upon God through Jesus Christ because we know God. And here it is, you cannot produce what you do not know or you do not have. And so many in the world do good deeds and do good things that don't know Jesus Christ. But as Christians, we have the Holy Spirit dwelling within us. And if you don't have the Holy Spirit dwelling within you, that you have not received Jesus Christ, you have not placed your life in the hands of Jesus Christ, trusting Him with your life, you cannot produce the spiritual fruit because you cannot produce what you do not have. You're not connected to the vine. Now, Sean could ask me for a million dollars. And I could say, Paula, get me a checkbook. And I could write a check for a million dollars. But Sean, that check would be no good. Because I do not have a million dollars. And so you cannot produce what you do not have. And so a lost person cannot produce true God-like character because God is not living in their heart through the Holy Spirit. And so it begins with dependence. Dependence then turns into desire. I believe if we're going to live a godly life in an ungodly world, it first begins with dependence, but then grows into a desire. A desire to live a godly life because you know God. And because you have experienced His saving grace. And because you do depend upon Him for your strength daily. I won't make many comments about this, but I want to say this, and listen to me very carefully. Now, we're all at different places, at different stages in our walk with Jesus Christ. And none of us will do this perfectly until the day that Jesus Christ returns and finishes the good work that He began in His people. But I do want to say this, listen to me very carefully. 
If you do not desire to pursue godliness, then something isn't right with the relationship. If there is not a desire to pursue godliness, to display a godlike character in your life to some degree, wherever you're at in your walk, there is something wrong with the relationship. And in fact, you need to evaluate if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Because as I said, we don't do it perfectly. We won't ever do it to, uh, to the fullest extent until we are made new one day when Jesus Christ returns. But where God is, He will produce fruit. And there will be, to some extent, a desire to produce a godlike character in an ungodly world. Not only is there dependence, and not only will dependence turn into desire, but we also see in King Ace's life that there was a determination to remove distraction and influences from their lives. And so God used him to begin tearing down all these cultic idols of worship that was stealing the attention, distracting the p- God's people in God's land from the worship of the one true God who had chosen them, called them out of Egypt, saved them, saw them through the wilderness, and brought them into this land and had given it to them. Now they had many distractions, and King Asa was used to bring reformation, to remove those false idols of worship, to return them to the worship of the one true God. Beloved, I don't know. There have always been distractions. Just like we read here, I cannot imagine a time in history where we have more distractions all around us to keep us from knowing God and living the life that God has planned for us. One of the greatest distractions in our time today, and I'm not against phones and I use them, but I believe is the computer we hold in our hands nonstop through the day. And they keep us from knowing God and we constantly are receiving information from all different things distracting us from knowing God, knowing Him greater, and having a desire to pursue godliness. Distractions are all around us, and they keep us from doing these things. I want to tell you the story about a young man. He was, this has been many years ago, he was born to a uh, poor cobbler. And uh, his mother was a washerwoman. She was a Christian. It was the only influence this young boy had. He was born with smallpox and was scarred from smallpox. And then he had injured his arm in an accident and it was disfigured. The only good influence that he had in his life was his uh, Russian Orthodox Christian mother. And she loved him and she was a great influence upon him. And when he was a young boy, then they saw great piety, if you will, a, a wonderful holiness. And some even said saintly in this young boy's life. They saw that he could be used by God greatly. And so his mother, even though she was poor, scraped up enough money to send him to the church school. He went through the church school and went through it with high accolades. He was very well respected by the students and also by the teachers and the priests of the school. And they saw a bright young future. And this young man, when he graduated from that church school, they made sure they saw such a a powerful influence in his life. They sent him to the theological school to train to be a priest. But when he left, as a little bit older man now, 
he went to the theological school, and there he became distracted. There were other influences that came into his life. People began to, a group began to steal his attention away from what his mother had prayed so many nights that he would be used by God to bless his people. He began to read the writings of Marx and Lenin, and he left the worship of God and became an atheist. And then he got swept away with the writings of communism. That young man turned in to a very wicked person who most historians say was accountable for the slaughter of around 20 million people. You know him as Joseph Stalin. Joseph Stalin caused people to turn in their beds at night and look over their shoulder during the day. He was cruel and he was uh, an atheist. He didn't believe that people were uh, born in, in the Im- created in the image of God, that they were just soulless beings and cruel experiments and death. Isn't that interesting? Almost a priest, but turned into one of the greatest monsters of history. He was distracted. And he allowed other things and writings to influence his life. Beloved, I want to say to you today, many of the influences and the distractions of our life might seem harmless, but if they rob you of knowing God, they can rob you of living the life God has designed for you. And rob you of even knowing Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. Many things might seem simply simple and harmless, but the more they distract you, the farther you get away from the voice of God. Not only to live a godly life will you be dependent upon God and desire to live godly and have determination to remove distractions, but also you'll have a disposition to follow God's will, allowing His Spirit to fill the places in your life in which things have been removed. Listen to me very closely today. It is not enough to remove, but you must replace. You can remove something from your life, but if you don't replace it with something good, eventually you'll go back to what you remove from your life because there's an emptiness there. Jesus Christ taught that in a story about the Spirit that left the house, and the house was swept clean, and the Spirit traveled many, many uh, long distance and found no place for rest, and so He came back to that house with many more spirits than the house had before. It's not enough just to remove things, but must be replaced, and that's what Asa led them to do. He removed all the false idols and the cultic poles and idols, but then He commanded them, We must return to our true God that chose us and called us and gave us this land. And we must obey Him and worship Him and serve Him. I want to ask you today as we begin to come to a close, what distractions or idols need to be removed from your life today that will bring you to know God and know Him greater? that you might pursue godliness in your life and have a godlike character displayed to a watching world. Uh, you heard that story of Stalin, and we might say, well, that's a little extreme because I doubt I'm going to slaughter millions of people. And you know, that's most likely true. I don't expect that from anyone in this room. But let me ask you this, isn't one destroyed life enough? 
And what if it's your life? And the, I ask the question that our Lord asks, what will you give in return for your soul? And what if you do gain the whole world? What, what does it profit you if you gain the whole world but lose your soul? And then the others, you might say, now, now Pastor Allen, I know I'm, my salvation is secure and, and I'm, I'm okay with Jesus, but what about still, we have our distractions, I have mine. And what if these distractions, yes, they don't rob us of our soul being saved, but what if they rob us from living the life that God has designed to use us for, for His glory? And beloved, we have to be honest with the numbers in America of how Christianity is declining. We have a lot of distracted who claim to be Christians. I'll tell you something I've noticed. The hardest idols to remove are those with my image on them my will and my wants and my pleasures and my desires. Those are the hardest ones to remove. And first of all, you need to know God. And then you've got to depend upon Him because you can't do any of this that I've said today without God's help. God comes to you through the Holy Spirit and He calls you to Himself because you need Him. And then that Holy Spirit births desire within our heart to live for Him. The Holy Spirit gives us the strength and the determination to remove these things, these distractions in our life that we might pursue godliness in an ungodly world. The Holy Spirit also fills those areas of our lives where other distractions have been removed. Today, would you pray for God to give you a desire and a determination to remove distractions so that you might pursue godliness, that you might display to some degree a godlike character to a watching world? Would you today surrender your life to Jesus? Would you depend upon Him? In just a moment, we're going to give you that opportunity to do those very things today. Maybe you're a Christian, but you realize there's not been a great desire to produce any form of godliness in your life. Today is a day that you can step out and rededicate your life to the Lord. You, I can pray with you, or the altar is open for you to come and pray for strength. Even if you don't have that desire, would you pray, God, give me that desire? to remove distractions, influences from my life that I might know you greater, that I might live the life that you have purposed for me to live. And others today, you can't produce what you don't have, just like I can't produce a million dollars, I don't have it. You can't produce godliness because you don't have God in your heart. Well, beloved, here's the good news. Jesus is standing with arms open wide. And the ball's in your court. He's already done everything that He needs to do for you to be saved. And all you need to do is to come to Him today and to receive His salvation. To call out to Jesus, save me. Be my Lord. I give my life to You. I depend upon You for my salvation and for my strength each day. I'm just going to ask you to, when we get, begin to sing, if you'll just slip out of your pew and I'll be here 
waiting to pray with you and to lead you to Jesus Christ. The door is open. The table is spread. Come and feast. Wherever you're at today, I pray that the Holy Spirit speaks to all of us because we do live in a dark world and we are called to be salt and light. We're called to preserve this world from decaying faster and we're called to shine light in its darkness. And we do that through godliness. May God give us strength to produce a godlike character to a lost world that needs to see the love of Jesus Christ.